Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your presence here with us. We thank you for uh, your word uh, that speaks powerfully to our hearts. Uh, May you open uh, our hearts so that we can hear your voice this morning. We lift all this up in Christ's name. Amen. So if you've been with us uh, the past couple weeks, you'll know that we have uh, this summer committed to looking at the wisdom literature Uh, that is in the Bible, particularly the wisdom literature found in the book of Proverbs uh, and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. And uh, at this point, we're walking through the book of Proverbs. And uh, if you know anything about the Proverbs, they contain Proverbs, interestingly enough. These are these short kind of pithy statements uh, that uh, express some sort of aspect or caveat of wisdom in a short and compressed sort of way. And if you've ever tried to read the book of Proverbs, uh, you'll know that it doesn't follow a a tremendous amount of organization. Uh, They seem to bounce around and go in lots of different directions, so it makes it a little tricky uh, to sometimes preach through it. So what we're trying to do uh, throughout the summer is to look at themes that we can trace uh, throughout the book of Proverbs, themes or topics that tend to reoccur. And the theme that I'd like to look at this morning as we consider the book of Proverbs is the theme of trust and how our trust relates to our level of pride or our level of humility. In fact, I think one of the things that we'll discover is that the level of pride or humility that each one of us has has a lot to say about the object of our ultimate trust. So I want you to think for a minute, do you consider yourself to be a trusting person? Do Do you find it easy to have faith or to trust in other people or in other things? Uh, I was thinking about that this week, and uh, I, I, was, I was thinking about the fact that, uh, that I, something I have to admit, I've never ever taken an Uber or a Lyft, all right? Now, you might think I'm kind of a bizarre person because I've never done anything like that. If you don't know what Uber or Lyft is, uh, they are services that have become popular in the past couple of years. Uh, where people can, you can just plug it into your phone and, and people will give you rides. Just random people will give you rides to places. And if you want to make some extra money, you can just sign up to be a, a Lyft driver or an Uber driver and you can just drive people around. Uh, it's really a remarkable thing, but it's something that I have never done. And I think it has something to do with trust. You see, uh, my hesitancy uh, has been my whole life, there's been things called taxi drivers. And I imagine that all these taxi drivers out there are people that are licensed and certified and bonded that adhere to a company and company standards. But when I think about an Uber or a Lyft, I think, who knows? Who could this person be? Has anybody vetted them? Has anybody secured them? So what it says to me is I have an issue with trust. Now, clearly, this should be something that I should get over, um, but what it does is it highlights the fact that trust has become a very central part of so many aspects of our society. In fact, it makes me wonder, are we becoming a society that is more trusting Or do we tend to be a society that's becoming more suspicious of other peoples? Uh, So the question you have to ask yourself is, do you find it easy to trust? Well, if you're like me, uh, you often dislike 
having to trust other people for other things. It makes you feel a little bit weird inside. And, and, and the reason I, I bring that up is many of you know that I've been a teacher for many years, and in some of my courses, I offer group work. And if you can remember back, if you're not in college or in school age, if you remember back to, to those, uh, th- those times, your teacher would sometime uh, uh, assign group work, and you would have to work with other people to accomplish a goal. And uh, every year, I I offer this in some of my classes, and the high-achieving students in particular cannot stand group work. Now, why? They can't stand it because they have to trust others in order to accomplish a task. And there's even been points where I've seen students almost come to blows with one another because they so much disliked this idea of group work. And so many of us are like that. We dislike having to trust other people for other things, and we would rather just declare, it's okay, I will do it all myself, when really what we're saying is, I don't want to trust you with this thing. Well, last week, if you were with us, we talked about how in our Western culture, in our, in our uh, culture that we live in today, the values of autonomy and, and self-sufficiency uh, and independence really tend to be high values. We, we celebrate uh, the buffered self. We like to, to pride ourselves on the fact that, that we have what it takes to handle life, and we don't need or want to depend on other people in order to make life happen. And one of the things that we looked at last week is that the byproduct of this often tends to be loneliness and, and social isolation. But at the root of all this is this idea of trust, in that we want to get away from having to trust others or depend on others for anything. But when you think about it, we can never really truly get past trust in our society. In fact, when you think about it, we extend a large measure of trust every single day. When I uh, do my part and I put a letter in the mail, what am I doing? I'm trusting the postal service that they will do their part and, and, and get that letter to its destination. When you think about driving every day, think about the remarkable level of trust that is required just in driving every day. You get in the car, you get behind the wheel, and you trust that every other driver out there is also going to follow the laws of traffic and do what they are supposed to do as well. A great level of trust. Think about when you go to a restaurant. You order a certain measure of food, or you, you order food, and you trust that the chef isn't doing weird things behind the counter with your food and that they're putting all the ingredients in the way they should. So when you think about it, all of us have to uh, extend a remarkable amount of trust each day. We need to exercise confidence that someone else will do what we believe they can and they should too they should do. And so the book of Proverbs gets at this very idea by talking about the centrality of trust. Now think back to Jesus's story in in Matthew chapter 7 where he talked about how the wise man builds himself on a solid foundation 
And the foolish man or the foolish person builds themselves on a faulty foundation. And so what the book of Proverbs talks about is that there is a wise way to trust and that there is a foolish way to trust. And one of those ways leads to life and the other way leads to destruction. And the answer that Proverbs gives us may surprise us, and it certainly is contrary to our nature and often the way our world thinks. So let's, let's first look at the foolish trust that Proverbs talks about. And what Proverbs highlights is it is foolish to trust in ourselves. And what I'd like to do is just borrow a few of the Psalms to help explain this theme in Proverbs. Psalm 52, listen to this. It says this, See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches. Psalm 44, For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. Psalm 20, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. And and what all these psalms highlight is that there are objects of trust that are all around us that are what the scriptures call faulty foundations. The scriptures identify things like wealth and strength and possessions, reputation, past successes. These are all things that people put their trust in. But generally, what is behind all that trust is really trusting in oneself over and against everything else. Now, like we said before, we, we live in a culture that emphasizes the buffered self, that emphasizes self-sufficiency and autonomy and independence, and practically, those can be really good values from time to time. Think about the child that, that, that lives with, with mom and dad, relying on them uh, for everything in life well into their 40s we probably wouldn't say that that person has a a healthy sense of independence or autonomy. In fact, many people have written about uh, extended adolescence in our culture today, where there is a lack of responsibility, a lack of autonomy, a lack of independence that is demonstrated by many. So I don't want to get uh, clogged with the idea that there isn't certain practical situations that are good and right that emphasize self-sufficiency and independence. But catch this, when it comes to ultimate things, these values can at the end of the day become deadly. When I say the words ultimate, when I say the words foundational, I mean the principles and the values that we build our life Upon. Psalm 14 says this. He says, it says, the fool says in their heart that there is no God. And what that means is that the fool is one who lives autonomous with no regard for God whatsoever. The fool is, is one who believes that they can live and flourish independent of a relationship with God. The fool is one who builds their lives on the foundation of their own strength uh, or their own wealth 
or their own fortune or their own success. The fool is one who trusts in their own self-sufficiency before God. Listen to uh, Proverbs 28 says this, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. You see, what Proverbs is telling us is that a foolish trust is the one who trusts in himself when it comes to ultimate matters. A fool is one who believes that they have what it takes inside of themselves to find meaning and purpose and flourishing and even eternal life. And with this sort of trust comes a very unhealthy byproduct. Because what the Proverbs tells us is with this foolish trust comes the byproduct of pride. Listen to Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 18. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty but humility comes before honor. You see, what the Proverbs are telling us is that if you build your life on yourself, if the foundation of your life is your own ability to figure things out, then you are headed on the path of destruction. And the greatest symptom of whether or not you are on this path is the vice of pride. C.S. Lewis called pride uh, the great sin, and he said this. He said, There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. Pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. You see, friends, pride is the end result of a life that is lived in opposition to God, a life that is lived independent of me. And so what foolish trust is, is it is pridefully placing us, our abilities at the center. It is misplaced confidence in our own strength and ability in the face of ultimate matters. And so, if there is a foolish trust, then there also must be the converse. There must be a wise trust. And what Proverbs tells us is that the wise person places their trust not in themselves, but the wise person places their trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. 
You see, if the foundation of your life is built on God and not on yourself, then your trust at a fundamental level is in God and not in yourself. And friends, this this has to happen at the moment of our salvation. You see, what the gospel tells us is at the moment of our salvation, we despair of our own ability to earn our way back to God. At that moment, we, we humbly recognize our sin as God slowly, sometimes painfully, but slowly dismantles our edifice of pride. In that moment, we, we recognize that we just don't have what it takes to save ourselves. And so what we do is we transfer our trust from ourselves and on to Christ. But one of the things that the gospel reminds us is that this sort of transfer of trust isn't just at the moment of our salvation. It isn't just a one-time event, but the rest of our journey with Christ is a journey of constantly transferring our trust from ourselves on to Jesus Christ. This transfer of trust ought to characterize our entire walk with Jesus Christ. Uh, my wife and I, the other day, were, were watching a show uh, that, that featured a conversation between uh, two younger comedians. And uh, both of these comedians were talking with one another about what it's like to have kids. And uh, they were laughing and joking one another about how when kids are first born, they depend on their parents for everything. For food, for clothing, for changing diapers. They depend on, on their parents for all things in terms of survival. And then they were joking with one another that at some point in the late uh, uh, elementary years or early middle school years, all of a sudden it's like a switch goes off in their kids and all, all of a sudden their kids believe that they know things better than their parents. And, and the comedians are talking with one another saying th- their kids are all of a sudden lecturing them on the nature of life and they're thinking to themselves, didn't I just change your diaper like yesterday? And all of a sudden now you think you know better than I do. And it was a really funny exchange. But it reminds us that, that we are all just like those kids in that we often move from dependence to independence, from, from knowing nothing to thinking all of a sudden that we know it all. But the truth is that when it comes to our relationship with God, the very opposite ought to happen. Because the byproduct of this wise trust, the byproduct of placing our trust in God and not ourselves, is an ever-increasing humility. Listen to Proverbs 22. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Proverbs 29. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. And so what we discover is that humility certainly is the entry point of faith. But the more we grow in our relationship with God, the more we come to terms with the fact that we are dependent upon God for everything. And the more we realize that, the more humble we ought to become. This is why the psalmist writes in Psalm 22, Yet you are he who took me from the womb. 
You made me trust you at my mother's breast. You see, friends, a sign of Christian maturity or a sign of growing up in the faith is a growing humility. It's a growing dependence upon God for everything and a growing skepticism of our own abilities and our own makeup. Someone once wrote that humility is finding one's worth securely, not in our abilities and strengths, but finding one's worth securely in God's unearned favor. Practically, I think that the greatest indicator of our trust tends to be the character of our prayer and our life of prayer. And here's what I mean by that. I've found that those moments where I'm most captured by pride are the times where I find very little time to pray. Now, why is that? It's because I don't feel my need for Christ very acutely. It isn't fresh in my heart. And what you discover is that those who are captured by humility tend to be those who are first on their knees asking God for His wisdom and His direction. And what's remarkable is if you look at the Gospels, you even see this in Christ. Because Jesus, who was God the Son, deeply valued prayer with the Father. And if Jesus needed prayer, how much more do we? What you discover in the Gospels is that Christ is the most beautiful example, the most, most beautiful picture to us of this wise trust, the most beautiful picture to us of humility. Philippians 2 reminds us that Christ emptied himself in order to walk the path of destruction, that he did it so that you and I His children who wrestle with pride each and every day, he did it so that we can walk the path of eternal life. And so, friends, if you are here this morning and you are weary from trying to make life work independent of God, if you've maybe built your life on your own ability or your own strength or on your own wealth, or independence, or past successes, whatever it might be, then know that you have built your life on a faulty, crumbling foundation. So instead, choose to trust Christ and to walk that path of wisdom. Let him systematically dismantle the strong pride that exists in all of our hearts. Trust not in your ability to make life work, and instead trust in his free gift of grace. And if you've already done that, if you've already trusted in Christ with your life, then know that the byproduct of that trust is humility, growing more and more in our childlike dependence upon him. Let's pray.